Welcome to Thriving Entrepreneur with your host, Steve Kidd, third-generation minister and 30-year business coach. Listen in as amazing, world-changing authors, speakers, and coaches share their struggles and victories, and hear from best-selling authors' insight into how you, too, can live your life as a thriving entrepreneur. This is Steve. Welcome to Thriving Entrepreneur. Thank you for being here with us today. Today, we're going to talk about something powerful that will and does affect your life and business, but may be one of the most overlooked things that happens in your day-to-day life. Thanks for being here with us today. I appreciate you. I appreciate that you're investing in you to live the maximum of who you are to be the best version of yourself. And I accept the honor that is you investing your time in listening to the show. My good friend Errol Abramson says, you know, there is one thing that is the number one thing that we have that's the most powerful tool in our arsenal as people, as entrepreneurs, and that's our time. You have exactly the same 24 hours in the day that Bill Gates has, that Warren Buffett has, that every other person you come in contact with. And I appreciate that you've chosen to invest your time in this way today. I want to, for those of you that this is the first time you've listened, I'd like to say hello and welcome. My name is Steve Kidd. I am the host of Thriving Entrepreneur, CEO of Kid Marketing, and one of the co-founders of the Best Sellers Guild. Kid Marketing, we help people write, publish, and market their books to bestseller. We make best-selling authors every day. We have lots of really cool ways that whether you know you need to write a book but haven't written a word, or you've had a book and it's even been out for years and you're ready to make it a bestseller, we can help you out with that. And there are so many cool things going on in our free group, Bestsellers Guild. We would love to have you join us. If you just go to bestsellersguild.com, we would love to see you there, get to know you, and rejoice with you as you become a best-selling author. Today, we want to talk about, as I said, perhaps the most powerful and definitely the most overlooked part of what we do in life, of how we show up in our business, and of how we live as people. You see, there's a little skill that we have that we don't really think about unless we're one of those people who no longer has it. And by this, of course, I'm meaning your voice. I think of Julie Andrews, Many of you probably have seen the movie or the play, but, you know, where Julie Andrews is in The Sound of Music. She has a beautiful, amazing voice. And because of some things that happened, she got to a place where she could no longer sing. I think of Whitney Houston, and uh, I've heard some of the stuff when she first started out just recently, and it brought me to tears to think of how little she really understood how powerful she was and the loss of that voice. 
And then, of course, there's many other wonderful, amazing artists, prints, and how much of an impact he made in our life. Robin Williams, who made us laugh and cry and was so funny and so over the top. You see, your voice is that thing that introduces you, presents you out into the world. Often, especially when we're in a medium like radio, we can present ourselves in such a way and people have no idea what we look like. Have you ever seen a radio personality in person, even myself possibly, and been like, oh my gosh, I would have never guessed that that voice was coming out of that person. Have you ever met somebody who is a professional musician? They have this gorgeous, beautiful operatic voice. And the size and the shape of their body has often very little to do with the power of the instrument that is their voice. Today I have an amazing guest expert with us who, um, honestly, I gotta tell you, you know, I mean, I've been using my voice both in speaking and singing literally my whole life. Um, you know, according to what I was told, because I don't remember it, um, I sang my first solo in church at about four or five years old. Um, many of you may have heard this story before. I sang with my two older brothers. We were singing the song, Onward Christian Soldiers, and instead of with the cross of Jesus, I sang with the Christ of Jesus. Of my two older brothers, my oldest brother, Burton, thought it was hilarious and laughed, and my other next oldest brother, who is younger than Burton but older than I am, it embarrassed him greatly. I'm sad to say that there have been times in his life that he struggled continuing to be up front to speak and to sing because of that incident. Um, and that's not on me. That's not on my side of the net. Um, I was just a joyful little kid singing at the top of my voice. And, and honestly, I've uh, been that person most of my life. There was a dark time in there when I didn't sing. And I'm glad to say that I'm back singing and rejoicing, waking up every morning with, as the song Thank You by Walter Hawkins says, singing thank you. Thank you, Lord. I am grateful for where I am today. I'm so excited to bring this guest to you today and to talk with you about the most powerful part of who you are in this world. And that's your speaking. You see, and it's fun to listen to the research because um, little children uh, and the words, once they begin to develop how to speak, statistically speaking, according to the research that has been told to me, um, little girls, 100% or nearly 100% of everything that they make as soon as they learn to begin to form words is then word-based when they play they play in words. Whereas little boys tend to um, make sounds. 
you know, they're, they make the car sound of, you know, that kind of thing. Um, and there's a lot of smashing and crashing and noises and sounds, but not necessarily. Little boys can play together for hours and never have a word come out. Whereas <laughs> I always think of my oldest, Emily, when she was little, um, you know, she's four years older than Amber, her next oldest, uh, you know, sister. And, um, you know, and then, of course, there's another year or so in there that, um, you know, before Amber was able to to do anything of any substance other than, you know, be a baby. You know what I mean? But as soon as she was big enough to be able to sit on the floor, um, she wanted, of course, to play with her big sister. You know, I mean, any of you that have older siblings, especially uh, if you remember back to when you were little, they're just so amazing, right? And they do such cool things and they have all these words that they can say. Uh, whereas as a little kid, you're just still learning and forming words and stuff like that. And I remember from even in those early, early, early days and then on through, uh, you know, even when she was a teenager, she was still this way. But I remember listening to Emily play with Amber and then when Jessica came along, Amber and Jessica. Um, and Emily's thing was to take and cut out of uh, every magazine she could get a hold of that we would let her uh, cut out dogs. She loved dogs, um, you know, and wanted to be a dog breeder and uh, wanted to, and I believe if, if what I was told is correct, I didn't get to see it, but I was told that she did actually finally get to show a dog at the um, Westminster Kennel Club's, uh, you know, Thanksgiving show. Um, that's what I was told. Um, and, uh, you know, that's been her life's, life's dream. But back then, she had all these little paper, little cutouts from paper and magazines of all these little dogs, and they would be strewn all over her room. She was not what you would call the cleanest child. And she would, every once in a while, let her sisters come in and play with her. And the play would go something like this. Okay, so now pretend that and then pretend that, and then pretend that, and then pretend that, and the whole time through, the entire time they were playing, Emily's way of playing, and I think part of it was trying to relate to them, um, part of it is just who Emily is as a person, was constantly saying, pretend that, blah, 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 pretend that, blah, 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 and I kept trying to say to her, it's like, you know, you could just pretend that you are, um, you know, a wealthy dog owner who is showing their, you know, blah, blah, blah kind of dog, whatever it happened to be that time. Um, you know, and the words just, it was a constant barrage of words. Um, our, my two, my two sons, Michael and Alex, you know, when they were born, they were boys, very much so. And, um, you know, to hear them playing together in their room was more like, vroom, you know, kind of a thing. That's just kind of sort of how the difference is between boys and girls. But all of us use our voice, whether it be words and phrases or sounds, whether we are singing at the top of our voice or in a very still, quiet level. Whether we are shouting a message from the rooftops or we're whispering in the ear of our closest confidant, words are how we present ourselves to the world. Often we find ourselves when 
who we are or how we feel we look is less than what we internally dialogue ourselves to say it should be. I want you to hear the words that I used in there because it's not that you were ever actually less than. You're the one that convinced yourself. We all do it to ourselves. And when that dialogue is going on inside of us and we're feeling shy, awkward, uncomfortable, even sometimes ugly, we will sometimes reach for our words. They can be a shield. They can be very harsh and biting. And I said sometimes, but the more I think about it, really it's always. It's just a different approach of of which way we go with it. As I said, it can be a very harsh, critical type of thing that often is a shield to protect us from further hurts or from perceived potential hurts. Sometimes it's very kind and sweet and loving. It endears people to us. A big smile from somebody is huge and can mean the world to you. But then when it's accompanied by the genuine heartfelt, how are you today? Sometimes somebody saying to us, I really hope you have a great day. And really meaning it. I'm not just talking about have a nice day, have a nice day, have a nice day, have a nice day. You know, but really, truly, genuinely wanting you to have a nice day. It can make the difference. I wouldn't be surprised. We'll never know. But if we had full knowledge, then we might find out that somebody who was going to do something that would be irrevocably harmful because of anger they were feeling, because of things going on inside of them, that someone's simple, pure, bright smile and gentle, loving words have redirected them, not 180 degrees, but that one degree shift shifted them away from the path they were on and allowed them to end up in a better place. I think of Oprah Winfrey whenever I think of words because of all of the things that I've always been amazed about Oprah, it's her ability to bring together words and phrases to help us really connect with other people. You see, there's lots of interviewers There's lots of people that can ask that hard-hitting question. Barbara Walters is, is amazing at her ability to do the research and ask that deep probing question that potentially even brings the person she's interviewing to tears. It's one of her hallmarks. One of the things she's known for is that breakdown during an interview with Barbara Walters. But Oprah has the ability to use her words to go beyond that mask, beyond that need to break a person down, to a place where we feel connected. We feel like we know them. Many of us have seen the time when Tom Cruise was 
jumping up and down on the couch because he was just so elated and so excited to be in love. And it's been, you know, spoofed on in all kinds of comedies and plays and stuff. But it was that ability to connect to that unbridled joy that he felt inside of him and be free to express it in that moment that was so powerful when Oprah had her show and is still powerful today as she does the things that she's meant to do in the world. You see, you have that same words inside of you. You have that gifting of the ability to be able to speak. There are those who their words have to come out in sign language, in writing their words because their voice has gotten to the place where that it's either never was possible for them or it no longer is. And like Julie Andrews now spends the time speaking and talking to people about taking good care of their voice and about the um, medical things that caused her to lose hers. There are those who no longer have the ability to use speech to make the impact. And they make that in other ways. So each time a word comes out of your mouth, and I'm not one of those people that's like, make sure that every word you say is absolutely 100% always useful and practical into the world. Sometimes you just need to be silly. Sometimes you need to say crazy, insane, pointless, possibly even somewhat worthless things. But regardless of whether you are saying something that is going to impact and change the world forever, or you are simply laughing and joking with a friend, take the time to see those words as though they were something you could literally see. You know, in the cartoons, how the little, you know, bubble comes up and you can see the person's words like that. And appreciate that gift of words. And then as often as you can, wherever you can, use your words, use the power of your words to make that difference that only you can make. You know I help people make bestsellers. It's what I love doing. And one of the reasons why I love our process is because we do encourage people to speak rather than longhand write. When we speak, we're in service. It's about the person we're speaking to. Whereas when we write, it tends to be cathartic and for us. And so even in the process of putting your book out, it's words, powerful words that are meant to be shared with the world. Today, I have an amazing guest for you who is going to make us aware of our voice and help uplevel us to be able to powerfully use our words to impact our world. I'm so glad you're here today. I'm looking forward to hearing about the impact that this show's made for you today. 
because I want to see you live every day of your life as a thriving entrepreneur. We're going to take a quick commercial break and then we will be right back here on Thriving Entrepreneur. Don't go away. You've heard Kathy and I talk about it. You've seen the workshops. You have watched as others of your friends have become a best-selling author. And now it's your turn. Let me ask you this. What would being a best-selling author do for your business? Over 80% of people surveyed said that they want to write a book, which means that if you're listening, you probably are one of those people. Now is your time because you have a message that needs to be shared. That message is not for you. It's not for your ego. It is because it serves other people. Kathy and I are here to help you share your unique brilliance with the world. All you need to do is go to wehelpyouthrive.com, check us out, and find out how you can be a best-selling author today. Welcome back to Thriving Entrepreneur. This is Steve. Welcome back. Thanks for listening to Thriving Entrepreneur today. Glad that you're here with us. Today, we're going to talk about vocal awareness, being aware of that most powerful of instruments, our voice. This guest, I am so excited to bring to you. This gentleman has worked with some of the most amazing people on the planet, names that you absolutely are going to recognize. He has helped them use their vocal instrument and empower themselves to be the best version of themselves in what they do in the world. And today is your day to start on that journey to be aware of your voice, to use your voice powerfully, to make that impact that only you can make in the world. Join me in welcoming Arthur Joseph. Hey, jo Arthur, how are you today? I am so fine, Steve. How are you? Doing good. So you work with people, all kinds of interesting people, um, with their voice, both with communication as well as just in how to use their voice. Tell us a little bit about you and how you got into that field. Well, this is my 54th year of vocal awareness, and I began as a classical singer. I have a master's in voice, and it just kept morphing. I, when I hear a voice, I hear who you are. It's a perfect imprint, and it, it's just been a gift. And at this point, I teach globally, and, from, and you see my website, so, you know, there are all kinds of fancy names on there. But I also, very importantly, teach, I teach empowerment to voice, and the vision is always to help all those I work with to achieve their own enlightenment and to attain their own empowerment. So whether I'm training a, somebody, I taught deaf people to sing, literally. I, uh, people, Holocaust survivors from World War II, uh, uh, people with serious vocal challenges such as spasmodic dysphonia, to superstars on Broadway and film, to titans of industry, 
Commissioner Roger Goodell of the National Football League, for example, wrote the foreword for my last book. So it's a privilege to do this work. And it is a paradigm shift in communication because I teach communication mastery, not just throw it up on the wall and see if it sticks. So help us uh, with the definition here then. What is the difference between communication and communication mastery? Well, I, I teach scores of superstar athletes in virtually any sport you can imagine. And I say to an athlete in the first lesson, you bring the talent to your sport, but someone literally teaches you every single thing you need to do. Without that training, your talent is simply wasted. Well, we all know how to talk, but we don't necessarily know how to communicate. And because I'm teaching mastery, what that means is all mastery in any discipline is only achieved when one integrates mind, body, spirit. That athlete doesn't just shoot a free throw or line up and hit a tee shot. They have a spiritual ritual that integrates itself before they do anything. A performer coming on stage has a spiritual ritual before they work out. So I apply the same rituals in mastery in communication because it always requires mind, body, spirit. So we have seven rituals in vocal awareness. The first of the seven rituals is to say thank you. And, and in vocal awareness, Steve, I break it all down. We've been fed such a bill of goods about public speaking, nonsense such as speak to the last row of the house, or you gotta bond with your audience. And if this is a presentation, all of this and the greatest fear is public speaking. All of this is simply bogus misinformation. We don't want to speak to the last row of the house because when we do, we raise pitch. And that's not authentic. And if I want to bond with my audience, what if you have one point of view? What if somebody else has another? I can't serve you both. So I teach us in this work how to be who we are, not present who we are. We've been taught that every public and presentation is just that, a presentation, when it is not. It is a performance because someone is watching or listening. And, and so I break all of this down and teach us how to put it back together so that we get to claim our power. We get to claim who we are without approbation. Am I making any vague sense? Absolutely. Um, you know, I mean, there's part of me that's like, where were you when I was 18? <laughs> you know, that was a lot of years ago. I was uh, doing what I'm doing now. Yes, you were <laughs> with people that I know, actually. <laughs> um, that is really awesome. I mean, the list of folks that you've worked with, uh, Angelina Jolie, Tony Robbins, Emmett Smith, uh, I mean, Stephen Covey. Uh, wow, we could just have a whole entire conversation about how cool it was to work with them. But what do you find is the universal thing that they misunderstand when it comes to their communication? Let me answer that in two ways. Let me first answer it by saying 
they are champions. And you look up the root of the word champion, it is not a sports-centric term. What a champion is excellently skilled in any field. A champion does it differently. That's one of the key axioms in vocal awareness, my work. And two, to be a champion, one must be audacious, courageous, intrepid, fearlessly daring. They do whatever it takes to be and do their best. And so they understand when I'm teaching at the level that I teach at and the microscopic details, because mastery is only achieved, Steve, when we master the subtleties of form. If I say to you, Steve, right now, for example, take a deep breath. And to your audience as well. And now exhale. Then if I say, don't take a deep breath, instead allow a slow, silent, loving breath. It will take five to seven seconds, slowly and lovingly. And you notice everything changes. Your ribcage expands, not just your chest rising. Your internal and external space are quieter just by changing the quality of a breath. So this is the level that we begin to work at. And so I work with them all for different reasons, of course. And, and so to further answer your question, I, I teach them this work so that they can step out and be the best of themselves and know how to do it and recreate it over and over again. You told me off the clock that you're a singer. You don't perform without warming up, but public speakers don't warm up, they just talk. But my clients warm up. We have vocal warm-ups. We have technique. I don't know one athlete who doesn't stretch before competing. I don't know one performer who doesn't warm up before performing. And it isn't just biomechanics. There are details in how impeccable it is. So this is what I'm teaching them and you and everybody who chooses to do this work. Wow, I was just, um, I was enraptured thinking of all the things that uh both I've been through as well as that I haven't, you know what I mean? Um, I know for me personally, you know, now at 52 years old versus being 18, um, one of the things I've discovered recently is, is that I've lost about an octave off the top of my voice. Um, yeah, but it's re one of the most wonderful things I, I do hear that, of course, but you can re the, your larynx is the most resilient muscle in the body. You can literally really abuse it and you can still regain it and in this work because this work is so exacting and not necessarily in any sort of voice work but in this work we actually repair instruments and i've done this for decades and so you can regain access to that part of your voice and you're such a young man you you deserve to have that because it's also earning power and and it's also joy. 
and we don't want any limitations. So I teach that we don't get to be the cork in our own bottle. We're all here to serve the calling. The root of the word and the key word in that aspect in vocal awareness is surrender, to be in service. To yield or to give back is what surrender means. Yeah. We talk about that same thing when we're talking with people about their books. Uh, you know, it was never about you to begin with. Powerful stuff so far, huh? I hope that it's really began to start sparking ideas in your mind. And if there are some things that you've already learned, please in your favorite social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, whatever, please include in there hashtag thriving entrepreneur and let us know what you're learning. We're going to take another commercial break here and then we'll be back with Arthur Joseph to talk more about vocal awareness here on Thriving Entrepreneur. You've heard Kathy and I talk about it. You've seen the workshops. You have watched as others of your friends have become a best-selling author. And now it's your turn. Let me ask you this. What would being a best-selling author do for your business? Over 80% of people surveyed said that they want to write a book, which means that if you're listening, you probably are one of those people. Now is your time because you have a message that needs to be shared. That message is not for you. It's not for your ego. It is because it serves other people. Kathy and I are here to help you share your unique brilliance with the world. All you need to do is go to wehelpyouthrive.com, check us out, and find out how you can be a best-selling author today. Welcome back to Thriving Entrepreneur. This is Steve. Welcome back. Thanks for listening to Thriving Entrepreneur. Let's jump back in with Arthur Joseph as he talks about our vocal awareness and help us up-level that instrument that is our voice and how powerful, necessary, and useful our voice is in changing the world. That's probably more real than anything else when you're talking about speaking because if you're only speaking for your own ears to hear it, why are you speaking? Well, it's an interesting thought. I, in vocal awareness, I know your audience is predominantly female, or at least I believe it to be. And I wrote an article after the last presidential debate and two and a half years ago that Hillary had broken the glass ceiling for women because she was extraordinary in that debate. Boy, was, I clearly was wrong. It is not a level playing field. This man could behave as coarsely as he does and still be elected. If a woman behaved like that, she wouldn't even get out of the gate. And I'm writing an article this week as we record this. Yesterday was the amazing World Cup victory for the U.S. women's team. And I'm writing an article this week that they won as a team. And... But what it takes to be a team is to be the very best they can be. I teach in this work. I, I created a whole, I'm creating a course as we speak for China 
uh, under the auspices of a profound woman in Beijing named Yang Lan. They call her the, the Oprah Winfrey of China. She is that significant a person. And she has a, an empowerment organization for women called Her Village. So we're partnering on two of my courses. And I share that because one of the key attributes that we all must take on is understanding the word hubris. Now, where'd that word come from? Well, we know that it means extreme arrogance or blaspheming the gods. Why would I want to be hubristic? Any great athlete, any great artist in the moment of performance or competition is totally self-focused on being and doing their best. They don't hope the audience likes them. They don't hope their teammates or coaches approve. They're doing and being their best. Now out here, we get all these mixed messages. Oh, you shouldn't act like that. What will people think? Oh, you shouldn't say that, you sound arrogant. So if I say to you, Steve, vocal awareness is extraordinary work. It can help you change your life in moments. Now that's stupid and arrogant, you would hope I'd acknowledge. But in response, I say, Steve, vocal awareness is extraordinary work. It can help you change your life in moments. That's not arrogant. It's my truth. So I teach us in this work how to claim who we are without approbation. Who are we going to get permission from? Now, I know that things go bump in the night. None of us got anywhere in life unscathed. This journey is not for the faint of heart. We all know the statistics, the horrible things that happen. And frankly, perhaps more often to women than to the rest of us. And happen they do. And so when we reach adulthood, we think we've chosen to be this. When in point of fact, we didn't. We gave our power away. So I teach us how to reclaim that. Through the, the technique of this work, through the vocal warm-ups through the protocols of how to practice for that presentation on a mirror, how to record and listen back, how to employ the seven rituals of vocal awareness, not to make you into someone you're not, but to help you bring out what's truly possible. I know I probably already overstayed my welcome, but am I making pragmatic sense? Absolutely you are, and you have not overstayed your welcome. I've enjoyed every every word. In fact, if, um, if I may, uh, could you give the listeners just a, just a little taste of something, regardless of where they are um, in their own personal vocal awareness, something that they could do right now to begin uh, being more vocally aware and using their instrument better? I'd love to. So the first thing we do, if I ask you right now just to sit up straight, sit at attention, and you notice the first impulse is you hold your breath. That's what we do when we walk out in public. We hold our breath because we're worried about being judged. So instead in vocal awareness, when I used to train Tony Robbins, he would refer to my seven rituals as pattern interrupts. He would say to create a new pattern, you have to 
you have to exaggerate behavior to break an old one. So we're breaking patterns. We're literally in vocal awareness, creating new neural pathways. Now, the first one is not a ritual. It's preparation for everything we do. And it's to embody ourselves as men and women of stature. So from three inches below our navel, we slowly and gracefully pull a thread, slowly, gracefully, embodying ourselves in stature, taller, taller, right up to the middle of our head and extend our hand as far as we can without tightening our neck and shoulders. And you'll notice the first thing you just did when you put yourself in stature was inhale. The first of the seven rituals is to say thank you to God. Say thank you to source or merely say thank you, not aloud, but merely take it in. So right now I ask you within yourselves, not aloud, simply say thank you. And you notice your internal and external space are instantly quieter. And once again, the first thing your body does is inhale. It's the body's way of saying, thank you for giving me permission to be me. I breathe in acknowledgement. The root of the word spirit, spiritus means to breathe. Inspirare, inspire, to breathe into. The Hebrew word neshama means both soul and breath. So breath is a critical way to transition, to create safe harbor. And the thank you to source is fundamental. Because I have such respect for the process, for the journey. And I cannot be cavalier about any of that quality of breathing, the thank you is critically important. There are so many more elements in, in, uh, there are so many more. We create a persona statement. The root of the word persona means through the sound. One's identity is largely conveyed through the sound of a voice and an opinion created in an anonymous. I say to you, Steve, it's really nice being on your show today. Thank you for having me. Versus, Steve, it's really nice being on your show today. Thank you for having me. Now, when we're nervous or want to make a good impression, we tend to do the first. We don't know, however, that's completely bogus because my pitch was too high and I spoke too fast. But we don't know that. All we get is that person is untrustworthy, inauthentic. The second one was me being me. But we don't realize that all I did was breathe, slow down, and my pitch was lower. All you got is that man is more genuine. So I'm teaching us in these few little tips how not to present, but how to claim and be. In the persona statement, we answer two questions. How do I believe I'm presently perceived? How would I ideally like to be known? Wow, I have a choice? Darn right. For you see, every single thing in life revolves only around two things. To choose or not to choose. Doesn't matter how scary, how seemingly daunting. All that matters is how badly I want it. 
even an abdication and make a choice by walking away. But all I care about in vocal awareness, because I teach empowerment to voice, that's trademarked, is does that choice empower me or disempower? So the persona statement is, this is the person I choose to embody. And then in this work, we learn how to do just that. Well, I know there's people listening that would like to go much deeper with you on this. Can you, uh, can you give us an idea of what a person can do to work with you? Well, they can go to my website, which is vocalawareness.com. They can write to the website and my marketing team forwards me every email and I personally answer every email. Also on the website, there's a lot of wonderful content, articles, videos. There's, there's a, a TEDx talk that I gave last year with me, 18 minutes, going through the basic protocols of this work. And it's a good primer on vocal awareness. And then also in your show notes, you'll see an offering where I provide a 50% discount to your audience on a course called Visual Voice Pro, which is me working directly with you on video, teaching you how to do this work. And very importantly, another trademarked aspect of the work, teaching you something called visceral language, conveying the emotion of words. I teach us how to make voice visual. And so those are a couple of ways to deepen in the work. And whoever wants to reach out, that's how you find me. But I really encourage you to take a look at this course, especially because of the discount. My vision is to change the world to voice. I choose to do this podcast, not because I want it to be a one-off and I don't have anything else to do with a half an hour of my life, but because I can't change the world to voice by myself. And I create this offering because Voice is power. When we own our voice, we own our power. And voice is vibration. We're going to, we're in a very dangerous time in our society. And I need to help us claim the sovereignty of what's truly possible to help shift the integrity, the vibration, the energy of what's going on right now. So thus the course. And thus this podcast. Arthur, thank you so much for spending some time with us here. I do encourage people to go to vocalawareness.com and go deeper and further with Arthur. Arthur, thanks for being here with us today. Oh, Steve, thanks for having me. You're a lovely host. I don't know about you, but I want to go right now and sign up for a class with Arthur. Um, in fact, I actually have on my computer since I did this interview a... Uh, event that he's doing and I'm actually looking forward to it. I, you know, have spent years working in different fields that use my voice, singing, speaking, helping people write books, all of those kind of things. And I really am looking forward to up-leveling my abilities to be able to use my voice to make my life better, but also to help you improve your life. I hope that you really will jump in with Arthur and make powerful that instrument that is yours. 
We're going to take our last commercial break here for this episode, and then we'll be right back with some final comments here on Thriving Entrepreneur. You've heard Kathy and I talk about it. You've seen the workshops. You have watched as others of your friends have become a best-selling author. And now it's your turn. Let me ask you this. What would being a best-selling author do for your business? Over 80% of people surveyed said that they want to write a book, which means that if you're listening, you probably are one of those people. Now is your time because you have a message that needs to be shared. That message is not for you. It's not for your ego. It is because it serves other people. Kathy and I are here to help you share your unique brilliance with the world. All you need to do is go to wehelpyouthrive.com, check us out and find out how you can be a best-selling author today. Welcome back to Thriving Entrepreneur. This is Steve. Welcome back. I wish you were here in my studio today so that you could see the trials and tribulations that are um, going through um, and doing a post-production of an incredible interview like I had with Arthur. Um, You know, the, the interview itself was about 25 or 30 minutes right in that time frame. The show's an hour. So, you know, we've got some commercial breaks and some of those kind of things that I've got to do it. And, um, you know, I have to record all those, right? Well, today, (laughs) it's really funny and I'm just letting you totally behind the scenes here. Um, You know, there have been several times when I've told you some extremely powerful things, um, but I didn't record them. (laughs) And um, and I think that actually the second take came out better than the first. So I don't want you to feel like you missed out on anything. Um, if anything, it helped me hone the message. But it's just funny to, because um, uh, a lot of times, like even right now, when I'm talking to you, I'll just close my eyes to let it come out and really truly flow from me. Um, and then I'll open my eyes uh, to see where I am time-wise and... Uh, and I'll look down and there's nothing recorded. And I'm like, what the heck? Um, and so uh, I want to get back into that special thing that I told you that if you stuck around until the end, I was going to give to you today. I've got that for you. You see, I, I like to help authors really be able to bring their message out into the world. But I also do coaching. I've actually been doing coaching since long before we called it coaching, uh, mentoring, uh, training, all of those kind of words. But for a long time now, one of the things that I've been blessed to be able to help people with is to answer the question, what am I supposed to do in this world? What am I meant to do? And so I want to give you some inside secrets that usually are within doing a coaching session with me or in our book writing sessions or those kind of things. And I want you to feel free to pause throughout this as I'm giving you some hints um, and write things down. You're going to want to stick to the end so that you get all of it. Um, Here's the question. If you could only say 
one thing to somebody, what is the one thing that you would say? I want you to imagine you're in front of a person who you absolutely know you can help. What would you say to them? You're only going to have, I kind of hate using the phrase elevator pitches because I think elevators move a little bit too fast. But let's just say a really slow elevator or one of those really high elevators going up in, you know, like that building that's like 300 plus stories or something like that. And you're going from bottom to top. Um, But what is that one thing you may never get to say to that person again? But right now, you can say it. You know you can help them. What is that thing? Now, often the pushback, the sexy excuse is, well, I don't know. And we just stop there. I'm not sure what that is, is the excuse we give ourselves to not do the deep work. I'm guilty of that, are you? I want to move past that excuse today and think practically. So I'm gonna give you some hints. now. I'm also going to let you know behind the curtain that um, some of these hints I've actually given you on previous episodes, I just wasn't quite as upfront with them as I am being for you today. So what is that one thing for you? Well, here's a secret. Um, What comes out of your mouth all the time? Now, for some of us, that can become a challenge. That can be a wake-up call that we are allowing stuff to spew out of our mouth that we shouldn't allow it to. But let's step aside from the self-judgment for a minute and let's just really think about that thing that you are passionate about, that you're constantly saying. If you're a parent, you have a blessing that is called your children that helps reveal this for you. And it's this, you know what it's like when you start talking about a thing and your children roll their eyes because they're always hearing mom talk about that. Oh, there goes mom again. She's talking about whatever that topic is, right? You've seen that look, haven't you? (laughs) You're thinking about it now and you're like, oh my gosh, yes. Okay. Now, let's go a step deeper. Because that thing might be clean up your room, clean up your room, clean up your room, clean up your room. But what's the reason behind that thing you say? What's your why? For some people, the clean up your room is because they grew up in a very messy household. And it actually can even trigger them when the house gets too dirty. For other people, they want their children to learn the skill of cleanliness. It is a skill and it is something very important for our children to know. And for some people, they are experts at helping their children find that talent of cleanliness. For other people, um, you know, it's just rote. It doesn't really mean much to them. They just have said it so many times that when, if they were to hear a recording of themselves saying, clean up your room, clean up your room, clean up your room all the time, they would probably be disgusted with themselves 
that they're going on and on and on about something that really isn't important to them. And then again, the question I would ask you is why? Below that is some deep stuff. It may be that you have a real talent for organization and the organizational nature of cleaning. You use powerfully to allow your organization to show up in the world. For others of you, it has to do with training up your children to be the best version of themselves. And it's about that training of young people that is your talent showing itself up. Now this doesn't just apply to children. This can apply to you. What do you say to your friends all the time? Do you constantly hear yourself in a discussion about a specific thing? Not because it's trendy and popular, but just because it's who you are. And again, the question is why? I want you to take that. I want you to go deep with that today. As you begin to look at your life and you begin to really evaluate what is that thing that you need to show up and do in the world? And then I want you to share that with the world. Your voice is a powerful instrument and today is your day to use it. I want you to not only just speak those world, those words out, I want you to record them. I want you to take those recordings and I want you to make a book out of them. Today is your day to share your message with the world because the world needs you. They need that thing that you do with such grace, with such ease, that you probably, as I was walking through this exercise with you, didn't even think about it because after all, it's so easy for you. That's your thing. Remember, you're uniquely brilliant. You were created for a purpose and the world needs you. The world needs for you to share your thing, to make their lives better as well, to show up as the best version of yourself and to put your book out there into the world, to join us in Bestsellers Guild so we can celebrate and help you put your message out into the world so that you can live every day of your life as a thriving entrepreneur. Please know that Kathy and I are here to help you truly thrive. Until next time, I really do hope that you have a great week. Thanks for listening to Thriving Entrepreneur today. If you want to get your question answered, send an email to questions at wehelpyouthrive.com. We look forward to you joining us again next time. You've heard Kathy and I talk about it. You've seen the workshops. You have watched as others of your friends have become a best-selling author. And now it's your turn. Let me ask you this. What would being a best-selling author do for your business? Over 80% of people surveyed said that they want to write a book, which means that if you're listening, you probably are one of those people. 
now is your time because you have a message that needs to be shared. That message is not for you. It's not for your ego. It is because it serves other people. Kathy and I are here to help you share your unique brilliance with the world. All you need to do is go to wehelpyouthrive.com, check us out, and find out how you can be a best-selling author today.